Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Why do we have a constitution and a bill of rights? Well, our founding fathers knew that those that give you your freedoms can take them away. And so instead of saying, well, you know, the government gives you your freedoms and the government gives you your liberties or this particular king or dictator or tyrant gives you your freedoms and your rights, they knew that these rights were given to you by God. And so God is the only one that can take those away, not government and not man. It keeps those that have a the, the, the power in check. They, they decided that our government would have a checks and balance type system. So in other words, one branch of the government, the legislative branch, they're the ones that make the laws. And in fact, it's not one person that makes laws. It's a lot of people that we put there, we elect, they represent us. And all of these people, it takes a lot of of energy and time and and all this to to get a bill through a law through that that body and then it's got to be signed by another branch of the government the executive branch which in this case represent is represented by uh, at the federal level the president and so that's a checks and balance system Um, we also see another branch the the judicial branch the supreme court is the head of that branch and they decide whether or not those laws that went through the legislature and was signed by the president are even constitutional, or do they run afoul of the rights given to citizens uh, by God? So you can see how there's a check and balance type system. Not one body or one person has all the power or a lot of the power, right? So what is the job of the president? Well, the constitution says that that constitutional powers of the president are basically this. They're, they're spelled out in three sections of Article 2 of the Constitution. And let me read these to you because I think they're going to be a little bit enlightening. Section 1, the president is head of the executive branch and he serves for a four-year term. That's Section 1. That's basically everything that Section 1 says. Right there, that he, the president is the head of the executive branch, one of three main branches of the government. Section two, that he is the head of the military. So he's commander in chief. All right. And then it, he also has the power to grant uh, pardons and reprieves. Uh, that's in section two. And, and here's something that, that's, that's interesting. With the advice and consent of the Senate, he can nominate judges and department heads and officers, et cetera, you know, that, that type of thing. So not, not only can he nominate those, but it has to then be confirmed by the Senate. We see that a lot of times when he will nominate somebody for the Supreme Court in a position there. And then after he has said, yeah, this is my man or, or woman, then, then the Senate has to come in and confirm that. And we see all the Senate hearings that go on and all the political things that happen there. So he, he has, he doesn't even have the full power to put somebody on the Supreme court. 
it has to then go through the other executive branch or the other branch of government as well. And, and that, again, is a checks and balance type system. Now, Section 3 says that, that it, it gives this, the state, that he has to give the State of the Union address to Congress. It doesn't specifically say when, and we know with Joe Biden that he waited a really long time to do that. Um, and so normally it's in like February. Um, but anyway, he, he's supposed to keep Congress up to date with a State of the Union address. He also shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. So in other words, if, if you know, somebody from Uzbekistan somewhere uh, comes, then he is to receive those. He's the one that's supposed to say, hi, you know, welcome to America. We're, you know, and we're welcoming you here. Uh, he's the one that does that. And he shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed is the way that it's said in Section 3. What does that mean? I think this is really important that he's going to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. So basically what it means is that Congress makes the laws, the executive branch then enforces the laws, and the Supreme Court then makes sure that these laws are constitutional. So that's, again, you can see this, this um, division of powers that our founding fathers did such an excellent job of setting up. And lastly, that uh, it says, and shall commission all uh, all the officers of the United States. So he he commissions the officers in the military. So that is the constitutional powers given to the president by the Constitution. Now, what doesn't the Constitution say is the job of the president? <laughs> well, I would say things like uh, keeping everyone safe. I didn't read that in the constitution that it was the president's job to keep everybody safe that if if somebody got injured or somebody got hurt in some way then you know somebody's in the hospital whatever the case may be that man that was the that that, that that's on the president that that you know it's his fault for not keeping everybody in this country safe there's nothing in the constitution that says that There's also nothing in in the Constitution that says that he is the one that makes laws. I didn't read that anywhere in there. He's the one that has to take care uh, of of faithfully executing those laws, so enforcing those laws, but he doesn't make laws. Just like the Supreme Court oftentimes, and very liberal judges on the Supreme Court like to try to make laws from the Supreme Court— but that's not their job. Their job is to interpret those laws and make sure that they're not, uh, there's not an affront to somebody's rights, that, it's, that it is constitutional. It also doesn't say that, we're, that the president is supposed to uh, take out state governors. And I think we're going to see something here in a minute that's going to uh, explain a little bit why I say that. It also doesn't say anywhere in there that that making sure everyone does the right thing is the president's job. It's not his job to make sure everybody makes the right decision. It's not his job to make sure that everybody is correct. It's not his job to make sure that that everybody is on the same page. That's not his job. It's not his job pitting one group of people against another. That's not his job. And his job isn't acting as a salesman for drug companies even. I didn't read anywhere in there that he's supposed to be a a salesman for drug companies. 
and and definitely you know threatening american jobs if if they don't do what he wants that's definitely not in the job description of president of the united states so another thing that we have to look at is what is an executive order an executive order is something that uh, Ob- president obama made this very famous because he couldn't get a lot of things through uh, the the House and the Senate get get them through Congress. So what he decided to do was try to sign a bunch of executive orders, trying to get things done that way. And and it didn't it didn't go well because even though he signed them and they lasted for a few years, President Trump came along and undid all those with executive orders, right? And so because they really weren't codified law. Now you see when it, when a legislative branch. Uh, comes in they they make the laws as i said and it's up to the executive branch to enforce them so executive orders lay out exactly how that's going to happen how the exact executive branch is going to enforce those laws they so the the the, the law that that comes from congress oftentimes is, is pretty vague it's there if you ever read a, read a bill oftentimes it's just saying hey we're going to you know, give this much money to this group to do this. <laughs> and it doesn't really say how that's going to actually happen. And so the executive branch is kind of in charge of doing those things. And they're done oftentimes through executive orders. These are the orders of how this is to take place and how this law is supposed to be fulfilled. So that's what an executive order is. And so what is the relationship of a state to the federal government? Because there's they're kind of two different things, right? There's state government and then there's federal government. When the founding fathers set up an kind of individual petri dishes, for lack of a, of a better example, you see, we we have right now we have these these states that can do what they want and and how they want to do it, and they're not based off of what somebody else is doing. Now, oftentimes they look to certain states and they'll say, hey, boy, they're doing it really good and I want to do it just like that. But they, for for instance, uh, this is just kind of a weird one, but, but Oregon, for instance, has a law that says you cannot pump your own gasoline in your car. That, that you have to have somebody else, an employee of the gas station, you have to have them come and pump the gas for you. If you actually get out and pump your own gas into your car, that you can get in trouble and you can get a fine for that. And so that Oregon has determined that that's what they want to do. They've, they've said, Hey, this is, this is what we want to do. We want to keep these jobs going. We don't want to kill, kill uh, these, these, uh, you know, entry level jobs. And so they have kept that law. They have kept that rule. Now, other states have said no. And most states have said, no, you know, you can pump your own gas. No big deal. But but that's okay, and the federal government has, doesn't have any say over that. The federal government is there for protection against foreign threats. That's their constitutional deal. So they're supposed to protect us against foreign threats that come against us, whether that be, let's say, a country that's trying to invade or maybe it's uh, terrorism that happens. Obviously, with the 9-11, we, we, we remember that quite vividly. Um, and they're to make sure that 
the, the states play well together, <laughs> particularly within the areas of transportation and commerce. So uh, when when we uh, here here in in on the west coast we have I five that basically goes from Canada down to Mexico, and I five is short for Interstate Five, and obviously we have a lot of interstate highways. These interstate highways are interstates because they cross borders. They're in more than one state, in multiple states. These were set up and these are maintained by the federal government because it it, it allows for better transportation um, um, around the country as well as commerce. So in other words, you couldn't have one state say to a, another state, well, you know what, um, if you want to bring, you know, those apples or something into our state, you're going to have to pay, you know, uh, uh, a tariff or are, the states aren't countries of themselves, but they, but they can make the majority of their own rules and laws as long as they play well together, you see. And like I say, particularly when it comes to commerce type, type of things and transportation. So the federal government is there to, to help with that. But that's about it. Okay. Now, what is what, what do dictators do? Because I, I, I'm going to play some things for you here. I'm going to play a, a speech and, and, and parts of a speech that were, was really disturbing. And I, and I want you to listen carefully to the description of what dictators do. We know what our government does. We know how we're set up. But what do dictators do? Well, the definition says that dictators typically come to power through the use of political deceit and systematically limit or deny basic civil liberties. That's what dictators do. So in other words... When they come to power through political deceit, or you know, obviously sometimes military takeovers, they systematically limit or deny basic civil rights, liberties given to the the people by by God. They limit those things. Dictators typically use political deceit to gain power, which they maintain through terror, through fear, through coercion. And the elimination of basic civil liberties. So you have to get rid of the freedoms. You have to get rid of those rights that were given to people by law, by, by God, and, and make laws against those things. And you need to do it using terror, using fear, using coercion. These are the tactics of dictators. And dictators tend to employ techniques such as gaslighting, and bombastic mass propaganda to stir cult-like feelings of support among the people. Now, I think this is such an important thing to hear. Dictators tend to employ techniques such as gaslighting and bombastic mass propaganda to stir up cult-like feelings of support among the people. Now, when President Trump was president, there were a lot of people that said, this guy is a dictator and we need to put the clamps on it. We need to do all these different things because he's going. He he would be dictator if if if, if allowed. Now I want you to listen to an address address to the nation that President Joe Biden gave just this last Thursday. Listen to this. While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, we read about and hear about and we see the stories of hospitalized people, people on their deathbeds among the unvaccinated over the past few weeks. 
This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's caused by the fact that despite America having unprecedented and successful vaccination program, despite the fact that for almost five months, free vaccines have been available in 80,000 different locations, we still have nearly 80 million Americans who have failed to get the shot. While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, we read about and hear about and we see the stories of hospitalized people, people on their deathbeds, among the unvaccinated over the past few weeks. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's caused by the fact that despite America having unprecedented and successful vaccination program, despite the fact that for almost five months, free vaccines have been available in 80,000 different locations, we still have nearly 80 million Americans who have failed to get the shot. And to make matters worse, there are elected officials actively working to undermine the fight against COVID-19. Instead of encouraging people to get vaccinated and mask up, they're ordering mobile morgues for the unvaccinated dying from COVID in their communities. This is totally unacceptable. Third, if you wonder how all this adds up, here's the math. The vast majority of Americans are doing the right thing. Nearly three quarters of the eligible have gotten at least one shot. But one quarter has not gotten any. That's nearly 80 million Americans not vaccinated. And a country as large as ours, that's 25% minority. That 25% can cause a lot of damage, and they are. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, or overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. So he says unvaccinated are dying in hospitals. So if it is the government's job to stop people from dying in hospitals, then why are we not banning tobacco, you know, cigarettes or whatever? Why are we not banning those things? Because those things are causing people to die in hospitals. And if it's the government's job to make sure that people don't die in hospitals, then why are we not banning tobacco? Why are we not banning cars and vehicles? People die every day in the hospitals because of cars and vehicles. Why are we not banning bees? And you say, where do bees come in? Well, your, your, your rate of survival from a bee sting is the same as COVID. It's 99.997. So it's the same, just as many people um, die that have been stung by bees as, as people that have uh, gotten uh, COVID. So why are we not banning bees and trying everything we can using every tool possible to try to get rid of bees? If it's the government's job to make sure that people don't die in hospitals. And why aren't we setting a weight limit on people? If you get over a certain weight, you cannot go, you can get fired from your job. You can't go to work. You can't, you can't go to, to a sporting event. You can't go to a concert. You can't go out and mix with people when you're over a certain weight limit because you are going to die in a hospital. You're going to clog up the hospitals with, with your, your unhealthy lifestyle. Why doesn't the government do that? 
He says this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. If if the vaccines work, then why are the vaccinated worried? If the vaccines work, they should have nothing to worry about. This is a war on the others. He's creating others. This pandemic is because of you. That's what his message is. You people who didn't get vaccinated, you others, this is your pandemic. What makes it incredibly more frustrating is we have the tools to combat COVID-19 and a distinct minority of Americans, supported by a distinct minority of elected officials, are keeping us from turning the corner. These pandemic politics, as I refer to, are, are, make, are making people sick, causing unvaccinated people to die. We cannot allow these actions to stand in the way of protecting the large majority of Americans who have done their part. I want to get back to life as normal. As your president, I'm announcing tonight a new plan to require more Americans to be vaccinated to combat those blocking public health. Again, if the vaccines work and prevent the the vaccinated from getting the virus, then how are the unvaccinated supported by a, quote, stink number of political officials and standing in the way of protecting the vaccinated, as he said? If the vaccines really work, how is that possible? You, You better get that jab because you are frustrating the president and and the other majority of Americans. How dare you frustrate them? You need to, to get that vaccine. Only unvaccinated people are dying in hospitals, don't you know? That's what the president just said. That it's it's these unvaccinated people that are the cause of the problem. They're the ones that are dying, not the vaccinated. And, and he says, quote, those blocking public health. There you go. There's the others. There's the people he's setting up. There, It's us against them. You, he's talking about 80 million people that live in this country and, and, and are citizens of America. And it's those blocking public health. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. My job as president is to protect all Americans. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. Did you hear that? Quote, this is not about freedom or personal choice. This is not about freedom or personal choice. That is the stupidest thing I have heard in a very long time. Freedoms do not end at contact with other people. This is definitely about freedom. This is precisely about personal choice. I have the right to be able to determine what goes into my body. 
And if I want to put a vaccine into my body, then great. And I have. But I have not put this vaccine into my body for a number of reasons. And it doesn't matter what the reasons are. I have that right to choose. This is about freedom. This is about personal choice. Quote, my job as president is to protect all Americans. Protect all Americans, well, yes, from foreign threats, which is something you probably should have thought about before you exited Afghanistan the way you did. How about the hostages, American hostages in Afghanistan right now? That's your job is to protect those. But he, he thinks it's his job to protect all Americans from everything. It's not your job to require private businesses to require their employees to get the shot. That is not the job of a president. I did not see that anywhere in the Constitution. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please, do the right thing. But just don't take it from me. Listen to the voices of unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final breath, saying, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. If only. It's a tragedy. Please don't let it become yours. Second piece of my plan is continuing to protect the vaccinated. For the vast majority of you who have gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. I understand the anxiety about getting a breakthrough case. But as the science makes clear, if you're fully vaccinated, you're highly protected from severe illness, even if you get COVID-19. Did you hear this? We have been patient, but our patience is running thin. Our patience is running thin. Wow. You know... I'm, I'm, I'm really scared now because his patience is running thin with us. And did you hear the scare tactic again right after that? He's trying to use fear as a motivating factor. Quote, I understand your anger at those that haven't gotten vaccinated. He, again, is setting himself up as a us versus them. And he says the science says that if you're fully vaccinated... You're highly protected from severe illness. So again, why are we even talking about this then? And all school officials trying to do the right thing by our children. I'll always be on your side. Let me be blunt. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you and these life-saving actions. Right now, local school officials are trying to keep children safe in a pandemic while their governor picks a fight with them and even threatens their salaries or their jobs. Talk about bullying in schools. If they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. 
quote, threatens their salaries and jobs. That's what you're doing. You're threatening their jobs. You're threatening them. That's what you're doing. This is this this is a 180. He's 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 projecting onto us the unvaccinated what he's actually doing himself. Aren't you doing everything you can to bully people to to get the jab? I mean, he says that this is bullying. But that's exactly what he's doing to try to get people to get vaccinated. He's bullying. Again, it's projection. Quote, if they will not help, I will use my power as president to get them out of the way. What does that mean? It is not his job to take out governors that he that, that are that are doing things differently than he thinks they should do. It is not his job to take uh, political rivals out of the way, such as dictators often do. There is no, there, there is so much in this, in this speech that is just creepy and disturbing, including when he said that this virus transcends borders. But yet we have an open border with Mexico and he's shipping people across the U.S. that have COVID. Think about how nice it would have been if he talked this harshly to the Taliban terrorists instead of his own unvaccinated citizens. You know, I've, I've had some people even ask me, is this the mark of the beast that we're, that, that we're talking about here? No, it's not. But it is the path that will be taken in end times. Because it is this type of thing where, where you isolate people into others and then you do not allow them to, to mingle with, with other people or, or to buy or sell and, and if, if they don't get the mark of the beast. And this is exactly how it'll happen. Now, Joe Biden, um, in, in the American Spectator, there's, there, there was an article, and I want to finish up with this, uh, by Scott McKay. And he said that, that getting vaccinated, whispered the dawdling white-haired failure of a president before beating a hastily retreat from the podium. Reporters barked questions at him with neither he nor his handlers had interest in answering because they had no answers. Joe Biden has no answers for COVID-19. What Joe Biden has is blame and otherization for Americans not invested in the tired narratives of his handlers and the, and the, the elite that he represents so badly. That's clear. And despite universal dishonest media coverage propping up his administration, now, this man has botched everything that he has touched for the the last eight months that he's occupied that White House, culminating in a, in a historic, dishonorable humiliation in Afghanistan, which has driven his his approval ratings into the 30s. Biden's handlers have panicked, pivoting to the one issue America has yet to recognize his misgovernance in COVID. There won't be any hiding for for Biden now. He is is turned his entire presidency into an engine of of Covian diso, uh, dystopia. We'll soon find out whether the Americans will stand for it, and the answers might well determine the future of the country. The chief theme of Biden's COVID speech is that people yet to be vaccinated against the virus 
are the others and must be punished by being denied access to public places, jobs, and other venues of mainstream American life. I could not agree more. He announced uh, 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 an, an OSHA rule which would punish businesses with more than 100 employees with a fine of $14,000 if they don't have full compliance. This, the, the speech was an exercise in, in funhouse mirror civics. Nothing in it was remotely um, cognizant with the, the constitutional doctrine of limited government. President, and, and, and here's, here's a quote from U.S. Uh, Mike Johnson. He's, he's a Republican from Louisiana. President Biden can barely remember the, what day of the week it is. And now he, is, he wants to shred the Constitution and impose a mandate he has no authority to impose or means to enforce. This is yet another brazen outreach, overreach by an administration that makes everything it touches worse. In America, we protect the rights of people to make the best decisions for their own families. Biden now insists on more COVID testing, more contact tracing. This, and, and there's no talk of natural immunity. No talk of natural immunity, which an Israel study shows is 13 times more effective in protecting people from contracting it again than the vaccine is. But there's no talk of that. There's, there's no waiver in saying, oh, well, you've already had it. You, you've, uh, there's records here showing you've, you've had COVID. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. He demands that, that air travelers uh, and, uh, are subject to the dehumanizing treatment aboard planes that, that uh, his TSA has, has enforced on, 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 on air workers. And, and he demanded that all federal employees take the jab which is an open, blatant attempt at purging those unconvinced by the shifting sands um, you know, pronouncement of, of Anthony Fauci and the rest of our failed medical elite. It, it might not have been an accident that this speech would hit just a couple days after the bombshell piece that, that came out about Fauci and the fact that this, this COVID-19 did come as a product of our taxpayer-funded gain of research gain-of-function research, an, an expose which, which uh, came out paints Fauci as a liar with clear criminal exposure for his multiple false statements to, con- to Congress. You see, when the economy continues to tank and inflation continues to soar, Biden will just blame the unvaccinated. That's what this is about. He's setting up somebody to blame. And I'll go farther to say that this is the entire reason for this unconstitutional power grab and the fact that he just has dictator written all over this. He needs somebody to blame. And I'm going to leave you with this. Here is the words of our esteemed dictator. Get vaccinated. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 